Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Welcome to episode 161 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Paris and this is Chris. Hello. This time we read Sword Woman by Robert E. Howard. It's a woman with a sword. How novel or... <laughs> sword woman! Or a short story, I suppose. Oof, Chris, you're really killing me with this, <laughs> this opening today. Ouch. Yep. Uh, this was originally written sometime in the 1920s or 30s, but was not published until 1975, decades and decades after... Howard uh, died in 36. So, you know. Uh, We read it as part of a more recent collection of Howard short stories, three of which are set in 16th century France and star our titular heroine, the sword woman. Um, According to a single citation in a Wikipedia article that Chris read, (laughs) uh, sword woman may have been based on Noveline Ellis, a school teacher and writer that sort of sometimes dated Howard. Uh, This book was requested by our patron Austin, who wrote to us saying, Well, I've already recommended my favorite franchise, so I guess I'll recommend my favorite author, Robert E. Howard, and my favorite of his stories, Sword Woman, specifically the 1979 collection, The Sword Woman, because it's the only one I could find with the third Dark Agnes story that I haven't read, and I want to know if it's worth buying for that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Well, we only read the one, because he said Sword Woman, so we read Sword... I read the third one, uh, because it's it's partially in this collection. Actually, this is is good, because I read some of the other stories (laughs) in this. You know... Everybody works together for eight plus years, and I just learned. I just learned today. Chris doesn't know how to use a table of contents in a book. Everybody, no, li- listen. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, there was a confluence of circumstances that led to some assumptions. Let me explain myself. Okay, let me let me. Do you want to present my case here? Okay, all right. Present your case. In the TBC spreadsheet. Sword Woman was listed as being 176 pages. Yes, I. So that was because every time I searched for it, it came up as about 170 pages everywhere. It just is a lie. It's a fucking lie. (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. So I was like, oh, this is a lengthy story. And this book is billed as Sword Woman and Other Stories. The story, the top billing, top billing on it. And so when I was looking through the table of contents, there was like a bunch of things that was like the spears of Klontarf and the claws of Egypt. I was like, oh, we're going like a globetrotting thing over here. So I start reading the spears of Klontarf because I assume it's just like the opening. <laughs> you cannot laugh at Klontarf. It just I know. Like... Also me, it's the spears <sighs> and the spears of. I start reading the spears of Klontarf and we're meeting like this uh, Irish warrior in a loincloth named Khan and he's going to fight with like the Danes against the invading Vikings or something. And I'm like, there's 
there's not really any sword women in here. It's just a bunch of dudes actually with swords and they're, they're fighting over there. And, you know, th- then we're reading the Claws of Egypt in which, yeah, let me tell you, um, a, a white man in the 20s writing about Egypt is... Uh, who boy. Yeah. Um, let me yeah. summarize the, the uh, I read like the first four ouch. pages of it and it can basically, it basically boils down to, and then the black swordsman raised his muscly black arm <laughs> and he fought the black foe with his swimitar, his scimitar, and he fought blackly against oh. him and dodged into the darkness, which obscured him because he was black. Like, I am not joking. Oh, that is that most is of that story. awful. Holy shit. Yeah. And anyway, so I was like five pages into that and I was like, where is the sword woman? And then I went I went back to the table of contents. Ah, your training. You remembered your training. (laughs) (laughs) And there in like the back quarter of it was sword woman. And I went, Oh fuck. (laughs) I wasted an hour. Yeah, that was pretty good. Um I feel like this is just Terrible teaching us a lesson anyway. Um in any case, uh, what we normally do here is not tell you about our failings in using tables of contents. <laughs> normally, yeah. what we do here on the Terrible Book Club is read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Although sometimes, like today, we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends ask us to read for them and review. So we do the opposite of what most people do when they're in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet. And usually, this experiment results in a hilariously disappointing read. But once in a while, we do end up liking the book. And I think today might be one of those days where what we were asked to read was not actually terrible. Chris? Yes. <laughs> I just said something and you didn't react. So just making sure you're still with us. Yes. Oh, I think we lost Chris to, to the void. I was I, honestly, I spaced out a little bit reading we the lo- summary we lost back you of the book thing. <laughs> we lost you under the hooves of Clontarf or whatever. Yeah, I don't know sorry, it. the corn of battle. We'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Chris was washed away in the corn of battle. Um, <laughs> like a reaper scythe. They okay. Well, wait. Let's get to the content warnings here okay. before I fly off the handle. Well, I mean, we're, we've already flown, but in any case, let's return mm-hmm. to return to roost. Um, our content warnings today, uh, in addition to our usual barnyard language, today's episode includes discussion or mention of kind of generalized violence and gore, sword fighting, and we get a lot of we got patriarchal gender roles here. But uh, oh boy! But thankfully, we've got women fighting against those, so you know it's not all bad today. Okay, here's the summary uh, in like, I had to pull this from another anthology because this one didn't have a description. The one we read from didn't have any sort of back of the book on it. So, you know, anyway. Turns out when the rights to your work are just freewheeling after your untimely (laughs) death, things get complicated as the decades go. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, so here's one I found. She flew to freedom on one glistening wing of steel. Her sword... Here is the immortal Robert E. Howard's most savage and unforgettable tale, the epic story of Dark Agnes, who escaped the bondage of medieval womanhood to fight with the legendary free company of mercenaries that ravaged the Dark Ages, whose joy in life was death, and who met the most depraved sorcerer of all time in a fierce and tendon-severing duel of destiny. You know, I got a question for this summary. How is uh-huh. she flying on one wing? How does that? I don't think you can fly with one wing. Just well, it's a wing of steel, which is better. Isn't that worse? Because you it's only heavy? need one. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I. You know, I'm starting to think this wasn't the 16th century because I feel like it was probably the 14th. There's definitely a, guns. There's pistols. 
Yeah, but like the free companies in France. Ah, fuck. I don't know. I'm screwing this up. Uh, I think it mm, says Dark Ages right there. So just anything in there, really. Yeah, but that's a wide. It's a wide. I know. That's why I'm so weird. I mean, how are we supposed to know? It just says Dark Ages. Yeah, I'm. Anyway, sometime between the 12th and 16th century. I'm honestly not totally <laughs> sure when when this is set. I said the 16th century, and now I'm questioning that. Um. Anyway, back back on topic here. All right, Chris. Who who are our characters, and what's the setting? Uh, we have, of course, Agnes, the Dark Agnes, titular Agnes. Um, her shit dad. He's she's got a real shit dad that's only there for like the first couple of pages. But boy, is he shitty. He's drunk, and he wants her to get married. Then we have Etienne Villiers, I believe is how you'd pronounce that. Sort of a, just a man, a rogue that she comes upon, and they tr- end up traveling a little bit together. There's a bunch of tavern owners and workers at varying degrees of skulkiness and evil. <laughs> yeah. There is Guicard de Clisson, which is my attempt at pronouncing that in French. I think it might be Guillard. I think it might be Guillard. I don't okay. know. I'm well, not. Why S and C then? French doesn't listen, man. True. Phonetics and yeah, French they, are yeah, just they, they very insane. They listen. make no sense. <laughs> don't question it. Look at a word and go, how would that most naturally flow out of my mouth? And I would guess Guillard. Uh, but okay. it could be Guisca. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a I, bad... I, I felt like Guisca de Clisson. I, I feel like it is Guillard de Clisson. But it's okay. okay. I am a bad French person who doesn't know French, so um, right. I can't really argue with you on that point. And there is various low-level bad guys who exist to get stabbed in the skull. Mm-hmm. I guess I suppose Francois. <laughs> really, just really, you just named a dude Francois in here. It's pretty funny. But he's alive for a total of half a page, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Chris was kind enough to write the summary for today, so I will go ahead and read this. Uh, we like to provide a summary of basic plot points so that... While you're listening to us talk about what we liked about the book, what we didn't, and our general feelings, you sort of know kind of what happened, and then you don't have to waste your time reading this book. So, all right. Agnes lives in the forest of France with her dad, who's an asshole and drunkard that demands she marry some dude named Francois so he can be another guy, like, to help, I guess, because her dad's getting old. (laughs) Agnes' sister says, you know what? You should just kill yourself if you'd rather not be married and have children, and gives her a dagger. Instead of killing herself, Agnes uses the dagger to stab Francois in the goddamn throat when she is dragged before him to be married. Agnes escapes from the wedding into the woods in her wedding garb. After a night sleeping in the forest, she is found on the road by Etienne Villiers, who is so charmed at seeing a bloodied woman holding a dagger in a torn wedding dress that he figures, eh, she seems kind of fun. He disguises yeah. her as a man as poorly. He just like cuts her hair and makes her wear pants and it doesn't really work, but it's good <laughs> That's enough. That's all he's like, oh shit, I didn't really think this one through. And he brings her to a local tavern where he knows the tavern owner. Uh, there is some sketchiness, though, and they're kind of on alert. Agnes falls asleep in a room by herself after, you know, being very tired from, you know, the murder and the running and such. Uh, she awakes to find the innkeep skulking about. She mistakes for Etienne and uses his name. The innkeeper recognizes that he is actually a guy who's on the run and there's, like, a reward for her, so... The innkeep, you know, fucks off to whatever the equivalent of a sheriff is in 12th to 16th century France. That's a really long period of time, but just go with it. Yeah. Um, so Agnes realizes this is a problem. She sneaks out, going, you know, in the hopes to find Etienne to dis- and, you know, to be like, hey, innkeeper sketchy. We should probably peace out. However, she happens upon Etienne discussing selling her 
to a guy named Tebow, a fellow who was chilling at the inn when Agnes and Etienne arrived. Agnes, of course, is pissed, bursts in, kills Tebow, and beats Etienne within an inch of his life. Since she, however, realizes that she is the reason that, uh, you know, he was discovered, she feels sort of merciful and decides to take him to another inn, also sympathetic to him, <laughs> where he can recover. This man, this man's escape route is just built on inns. Um, yeah. Uh, at the, <laughs> the next... underground inn railroad. Yeah, the, the overground inn railroad. <laughs> yeah. At the next uh, Etienne-friendly inn, they are beset upon yet more men looking for him since, you know, they heard he's about. I don't really know how word is traveling this fast, you know, before the age of telegraphs or anything, but whatever. Um, Agnes, of course, murders them all. This impresses Guillaume de Clisson, one of Etienne's sympathizers, and he offers to train Agnes in swordsmanship. She turns out to be an apt student, and they have a lot of great time, you know, training together over the few months. Little time later, they are beset upon by bandits who thought Guillaume was Etienne since he was traveling with Agnes. He is killed, which was not what they were trying to do, but Agnes escapes. Uh, she is injured, though, and ends up getting cornered in a crevice near a cliff. The bandits are waiting until nightfall to approach her and capture her because she's so dangerous in the light of day. However, just before the bandits come back for her, Etienne appears and hauls Agnes up the small cliff with a handmade rope, and they ride off together to their next adventure, which we did not read at the end. <laughs> 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 it, it does seem like this ends, and then like the second story almost immediately starts, like picks it back up, but we... I don't know. We weren't tasked with that story for today, so we're just going to focus on the first one. And then I will talk a little bit about the third one just because our patron, Austin, who asked us to read this, wanted to know about it. <clears throat> All right. So that's that. All right, Chris. What, what was good about what was good about Sword Woman? I, you know, before this, Paris, um, you looked at me like I had three heads when I was like, wait, who's Robert E. Howard? And you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I couldn't believe you didn't know who Robert E. Howard was. I was really yeah. surprised. Yes, it is uh, a very famous, like, author of Conan. I knew about Conan, of course, but I just didn't know that th this was the guy, the same guy that did yeah, Conan. Yeah, Conan, Red Sonja, like, those are probably his most famous. Um, I thought Red Sonja was specifically, like, a Marvel Comics character, but nope. it turns out, nope. no. He, he wrote her, and she was, I think she started as Agnes, um, and then became Red Sonja, and then... Oh, well, that makes a lot... Okay, yeah. there's the sword woman, indeed. Anywho, this dude can write a sword fight, man, yeah, man, like or a sword or a knife fight. He's very good at writing that kind of stuff here. It's, you know, it's brutal and you know exactly what's going on at any point and it, it the the descriptions are to the point, uh-huh, but also very effective in how it describes particularly nasty moves at one point when Agnes is murdering the four dudes that burst into the second inn, he describes the point of her knife being driven so far up into a guy's skull that she feels the point of it scrape the top of his cranium. Which, that is some hella metal stuff, man. No, That's it, really it, quality. It scrapes the inside of his helmet, but close enough. Um, yeah. Yeah, man, the fight scenes are really well written. They make sense, and they keep you invested. Like, he manages to do it all in a really short period of time, and that is super impressive. Um, I Let me see. I'll go ahead and read a selection from one of the fight scenes, because they're pretty good. Um, Please do. It's really good. I mean, while you're looking for that, clearly this is the standard of this kind of fantasy that a lot of other authors we have read have tried to do specifically uh, Henry Kuttner, that one that we read as like a double feature fantasy. He was under a something sun under an alien sun. I think under, under no under a, under a, under a dim blue sun, dim blue sun. I forgot the dim. 
Yeah, that so was something not about very good. <laughs> something about that, it kind of reminded me of that, but I was like, oh, this is what you were trying to do. I understand now. Yeah, man, this really puts people to shame. And this was written in like the 20s or 30s. No one has yeah. learned. <laughs> Come on, people, get with it. All right, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just read. Uh, actually, I'll I'll read about, uh, I guess, her attacking. Uh, when she realizes Etienne is thinking about selling her uh, to Thibault, uh, I guess, my ancestor. Um <laughs> You filthy dog! I screamed, blazing in the mad fury. You swine! 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 Only my own blind fury saved him as I rushed and stabbed. I was on him before he could put himself into a position of defense, and my blindly driven steel tore the skin over his ribs. Thrice more I struck, silent and murderous, and he somehow fended the blade from his heart, though the point drew blood from hand, arm, and shoulder. Desperately, he grasped my wrist and sought to break it, and close locked, we tumbled against the table, over the edge of which he bent me and tried to strangle me. But to grasp my throat, he must perforce release my wrist with one hand, and twisting it free of his single grip, I struck for his life. The point snapped on a metal buckle, and the jagged shard tore through doublet and shirt and plowed along his breast. Blood spurted, and a groan escaped him. In anguish, his grasp weakened, and I twisted from beneath him and dealt him a buffet with my clenched fist that rocked back his head and brought streams of blood from his nostrils. Groping for me, he clutched me, and as I gouged at his eyes, he hurled me from him with such force that I hurled backwards across the room and crashed into the wall thence toppling to the floor. I was half dazed, but I rebounded with a snarl, gripping a broken table leg. He was wiping blood from his eyes with one hand and fumbling for his sword with the other, but again he misjudged the speed of my attack, and the table leg crashed full on his crown, laying open the scalp and bringing blood in torrents. He threw up his arms to ward off the strokes, and on them and on his head I rained blow after blow, driving him backward, half-bent, blind and reeling, until he crashed down into the ruins of the table. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like Really keeps, fight, man. keeps up the action, and they're all like this. They're all really well done. I was never bored reading this. It was it was cool. Um, yeah, I I think that you know, in addition to the fight scenes being engaging, you also get like you get character development here with Agnes. She's not like the vast majority of women who appear in fantasy stories as either weak, distressed damsel, damsels, or like if they have any strength, they're always sexy and evil villainesses. She's sort of just the like the embodiment of the unfurling rage born of oppression. And she doesn't grapple too much with killing people and instead kind of revels in it. And, you know, it's it's a bit complicated. And I think that's great. It's not sort of this like black and white thing. Right. Because you're you're at once rooting for her because you're like, oh, yeah, I don't want this lady to be like forcibly married to some asshole just because her dad wants you know extra help around the farm or whatever but you're also like fuck she's really just killing out there just murdering like i don't yeah. know how i feel about this <laughs> like, <laughs> so it's you know i i like that she she just like real, she you know tebow has seconds of like <laughs> seeing her in his life like he sees her for like the second time ever and she is ramming a, a dagger into his heart mm-hmm yeah, I but I again, yeah, I just appreciated that. I thought it I thought it was uh I was just surprised. I got to say I was really taken aback by how decent this was because I've always I've honestly always just stayed away from a lot of the things that people said were like classic fantasy sword and sorcery stories because I've been so disappointed by so many that I've picked up that I just sort of gave up and I was like, "Oh, I'm not going to read Howard. He's like the one everyone talks about." 
And I guess, I guess There's maybe a reason. I should There's a reason. Um, but, well, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, this is just, it just happens to be pretty good. I don't know about the rest of his material. As you mentioned, you know, I maybe the, the ones about... Yeah, maybe the ones about, you know, folks in Egypt are not great to yeah, read. Yeah, let's that that's not I will say <laughs> but, the Spears of Clontarf had way like a lot more of that same like extremely well-written fight scene. It was like a battle scene, mm-hmm. like a open field of war essentially happening there and there was a bunch of like different like champions of certain factions fighting and everything. And in the like it was a similar length of story like 20 30 pages. I feel like I got the same thing a little bit. It wasn't deep, you know, because like, yeah. it was only 30 pages, but like I got something out of the characters i could differentiate them especially in a fight scene Mm. and like i could understand like that it was chaotic but exactly who was where in a battle scene as well it was really i gotta say try out the spears of clontarf if you ever like were a nerdy D &D kid because it's basically this dude jacking off to like and they had cool armor and swords and they were fighting and it was awesome well i mean i would also say you know this this would be a good one to try the sword woman yes um, yes. I'm gonna go ahead. The other thing I thought of, I thought the writing was good too. Like I, in general, I just yeah. thought it was. It got to the point, but it was descriptive enough. I thought I was really surprised by the fact that Robert Howard, you know, at this point, twenty or thirty something years old, um, between his twenties and thirties. I, I don't think we know the exact date he wrote this. Uh, you know, was able to reproduce a pretty good. A version of how a woman would feel in this situation, like being a young woman forced to marry someone and with her particular disposition. I was just really surprised because so often we read women written by men in the in a lot of the terrible books we've read and they've just been absolute fucking garbage. <laughs> like, you know, we don't get any like breasts bouncing tiddly here. We don't get any focus on how hot she is. It's just like She's got red hair, which I mean, is pretty yeah, significant. Yeah, some of the dudes are like, oh, it's a woman, and you've got a womanly shape, but it's, but like, it's, that's it about it. It doesn't linger and objectify, right? Like, those are the things it avoids, which is great. It, it's more the men are doing that to her, because right, they're men, right. and that's what they know. And, anyway, I'm just going to read maybe the first, um, let me see. Maybe I'll just read, like, the first page or two, because I, I was immediately, I immediately liked the way this was written, just the style. <laughs> Agnes, you red-haired spawn of the devil, where are you? It was my father calling me after his usual fashion. I raked my sweat-dampened hair out of my eyes and heaved the bundle of faggots back on my shoulder. Little of rest was there in my life. My father parted the bushes and came into the glade. A tall man, gaunt and bitter, darkened with the suns of many campaigns, marked with scars gotten in the service of greedy kings and avaricious dukes. He scowled at me. In faith, I would hardly have recognized him had he worn another expression. What are you about? He snarled. You sent me into the forest for wood, I answered sullenly. Did I bid you be gone a whole day? He roared, aiming a slap at my head, which I avoided with a skill born of much practice. Have you forgot this is your wedding day? At that, my fingers went limp and the cord slipped through them, so the bundle of faggots tumbled to the ground and burst apart. The gold went out of the sunlight and the joy from the trilling of the birds. I had forgot, I whispered, from lips suddenly dry. Well, take up your sticks and come along, he scowled. The sun heals westward ungrateful wench accursed jade that your father should be forced to drag his old bones through the forest to bring you to your husband <laughs> husband i muttered francois hooves of the devil will you swear wench snarled my father must i lessen you again will you flout the man i have chosen for you 
Francois is as fine a young man as you can find in all Normandy. <laughs> Fat pig, I muttered. A very munching, guzzling, nuzzling swine. Be silent, he yelled. He will be a prop to my old age. I cannot much longer guide the plow handles. My old wounds pain me. Your sister Isabel's husband is a dog. He will give me no aid. Francois will be different. He will tame you, I warrant me. He will not humor you as I have. You will eat stick from his hand, my fine lady. <clears throat> at that, a red mist waved across my sight. It was ever thus at such talk of taming. I dashed down the faggots I had mechanically taken up, and all the fire in my blood rushed to my lips. May he rot in hell and you with him, I shrieked. I'll not wed him. Beat me, kill me, use me as you wish, but I'll never share Francois's bed. At that, hell flamed into my father's eyes, so that I should have trembled but for the madness that gripped me. I saw mirrored there all the fury and violence and passion that had been his when he looted and murdered and raped as a free companion. With a wordless roar, he lunged from me and dealt a buffet at my head with his right fist. I avoided the blow and he smote with his left. Again, his fist flailed empty air as I dodged, and then with a cry like the yell of a wolf, he caught my loose hair in his fingers, wrapping the tresses around his hand and wrenching my head back until it seemed my neck would break, and he smote me on the chin with his clubbed right fist so that the sunlight went out in a wave of blackness. I feel like that gives you a pretty good flavor of yeah. what we're dealing with here. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I think it's I think it's good. Um, does it accomplishes a lot in very few pages, <clears throat> for sure. It for as young as Robert Howard died, like he was thirty eight or so, probably there, when uh, he died. He was thirty. I knew an hour. Anyway, ago. <laughs> under under forty. Yeah, for sure. And like. A very skilled hand here, I would say, at writing, like, just, like, to the point, good description, get you to where 30. you need to be. He died at 30, so. Wow. Guess, so, yeah. like, honestly, a little bit more astonishing. Yeah, I don't know. He was just, uh, just had a, had a pretty good talent at this stuff. Um, and it, it's just surprising, because he was just sort of, like, a guy who lived in Texas, right? I think he's from Texas. Yeah. <laughs> it's right? just, like, like, a dude who lives in suburban Texas somehow really got a handle on, like, sword fighting and internal complexities of people i don't know it's it's really good um you know it's not maybe not the best thing i've ever read but it's pr- pretty damn good <clears throat> especially for, for i mean for, for like 20s, a pulp you know? fiction sword and sorcery kind of style thing this is upper tier i would yeah, say yeah i agree um yeah so in any case i yeah i really was expecting this to be way more lame I just, I don't know, like I said, I just kind of got really jaded by all the sword and sorcery stuff out there, like the shitty, uh, oh my god, whatever, I don't know, we've read a few before that were, you know, sword and sorcery stuff and just like wasn't great, and I don't know, I have a real love-hate relationship with this stuff, because boy do I love me a sword fight, boy do I love me some adventure, I love that whole kind of general medieval fantasy setting, but... I really don't like how it's just rife with like kind of modern ideas of gender roles and like <laughs> like the lady does this, men do this, and it's just uh, it's got all of those shitty trappings of misogyny and patriarchy, and I just I don't love that stuff. So it's tough because I mean I wish I wish a lot of the fiction was not that but alas much of it is so it's what kind of made me think eh, i'm not gonna bother to read howard because you know he wrote conan so i thought like oh well that seems sort of like your er you know <laughs> like 
big man, very cool lady in loincloth, you know, kind of yeah. thing. And I and I'm I just mean, basing this off of you know the films and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I definitely made a judgment there. But this was this was to protect myself from more crappy media. <laughs> that was just, yeah. I you know didn't didn't really feel like it was worth my time, but I guess I guess maybe I was wrong about this because this is this is pretty decent. All right, well that's the things that were good, but I mean speaking of uh, gender roles and stuff here, I mean this I this is a kind of arguable. I don't I don't feel comfortable throwing this in just the bad, but like yeah. it's it's a discussion point here, right? So I mean, really, the whole story here is wow. That woman sure can't sword. I guess we should <laughs> yeah. treat her like a man. Yeah, and even Agnes herself is, you know, she's swung, she's kind of, you know, she's been crushed by oppression so tightly that she's just swung wildly in the opposite direction. And she is like, I am not a woman. I am a man. You must treat me like a man. Being man is best and cool, which I get how that happens, but it's also kind of unfortunate. Like, why can't yeah. you just be a a really great swordswoman? Why can't you be a woman who is a great swordwoman, Paris? A great no fighter, <laughs> you know? Um yeah, there's a little there's a lot of hang ups about like genitals detect you know, um determines what you do with swords, and that's a little silly. Um <clears throat> but Oh <laughs> yeah, there was like there's a line uh, where some... I forget what character it is. I don't remember if it's... I think it's Guillardi. I think it is Guillard, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, men are turning into women and women men these days. And <laughs> <laughs> Thou should bend thine ear to the podcast of Sir Jordan, who is son of Peter. <laughs> he has many things to say on this topic. Yeah, so somehow even in, you know... Something set in the 12th to 16th century, we, it, written in the 20s, we've still got the idea of like, man, men sure are fucking soy boy sissies these days. <laughs> like, <laughs> God damn it. You, just you think they would have gotten it down by then, like it was like in the 1920s or whatever, but still turns out. No, I just thought that was, I mean, it's hilarious that that showed up, but I, I understand. Yes. I'm sure that, that is, you yes. know, a recurring. They've been, w- they've idea. been worried about it forever, Paris. They just can't stop worrying about it. Nope. It's, it's like a huge deal to some people. I think there is a for uh, things that were bad. There was just this really weird moment where uh, when Etienne finds Agnes on the road, he's like, you know what? I passed a child about your size a few miles back. Let me go back and cut his clothes off and give him to you. And you're just like, wait, I'm sorry. What? What's happening? What? What? He literally just rolls up on some dude that he passed earlier, and he's like, actually, um, I'm going to need all of your clothes. Yo, my girl and needs some clothes. Back, Strip. He rides back laughing about it and shit, so like, clearly he just... <laughs> I mean, I guess it does a good job of showing you what kind of person he is, but it is also exactly. extremely weird. Like, even <laughs> if you're like, oh, this guy's kind of roguish and he's not really, you know, not really a good guy. I, I don't know. Would it just it seems like you're just generating more reasons for people to come and find you and kill you if you cut the clothes off a child. <laughs> like, don't do that. It's really funny and weird. Um, I think the biggest thing, other than the whole point of the story with Agnes being obsessed with, like, being a man, quote-unquote, I thought it was a bummer that she has to rely on Etienne to save her twice. I mean, she does do plenty of, like, murder and escaping on her own, but, you know, I didn't love the, like, 
Etienne Ex Machina at the end who's like, I just <laughs> happened to build a rope for you because I guess I knew you would be stuck in a crevice. I, that that felt real. Just, he claims like just, he saw her leaving and saw like the men absconding after her because he had recovered by then. Mm-hmm. And that was, he, he knew the back way up the cliff and around all of the men with their pistols or something because he's roguish and cool. Yeah, it was, I don't know, it was a little silly, but in any case, like, you know, just, just talking about things that, you know, maybe weren't 100% in this book, even if they weren't objectively yeah, awful. So like, I mean, Paris, for me, it's, I, I try to, I'm trying to think about where does this land for me in terms of, like, you know, patriarchal ideas of what a quote-unquote strong woman can be versus, you know, actually throwing off the shackles of oppression and doing something about it as just an equal to men. It's in a weird gray area. So I, I don't know exactly if I would call this like feminist or not. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it did the best it probably could have done <laughs> at that time. In, yeah. In the twenties. Um, right. Like, yeah. And I think what you're, what you're saying is that we're still using kind of the Western patriarchal scale of like, you're feminist if you can be strong like men. If you can be like a man, then you're cooler than other women. <laughs> yeah. Which is like not really the tone of no. feminism that we're going for yeah, here. Exactly. But uh, you know, this is you know, it's a start, it's something. Um, you know, we we wanna see women's strength and I guess people's strength, not just, you know, men and women, but strength yes. as, strength does not always have to be literally I got real good muscles in my arm and I stab real good with pointy thing. Like it doesn't always have to be about physical strength and overpowering other people. Um, You know, but that is that that's what we got here, which like I said, Mm -hmm. it's a start. It's something, it's not fantastic, but it's good. I feel like if I had read this as a child, it definitely would have stuck with me. I feel like this would have been cool to me as a kid, you know, in like this grim fantasy haze of loincloth babe or evil sorceress, yeah. at least you get yeah. Agnes, who's like a welcome relief. Right. She's I would agree. At least as a character, she's not totally on either end of those cliche spectrums. Right. And she's not the other thing I like is like she's not all good or bad. It's kind of difficult to determine what her moral compass is. She she has some moments of of, you know, like for her, I guess, her version of forgiveness and giving people second chances but then she's also will just fucking murder a bunch of fools at the drop of a hat if she doesn't like their tone so i mean yes i mean like you know to make sense of it she's acting she has freedom for the first time ever and of course she's going a little wild with it she's like the college kid that just got on campus and can drink for the first time Uh so they go except it's murder this time (laughs) fighting back so yeah i mean it's really go over I mean, I know this isn't, you know, this isn't like perfect historical fiction, but it is, it is a fiction that takes place in a historical time period. It seems like Howard had some idea of what was happening, you know, in that time in France. And honestly, in, you know, between the 12th and 16th century, murder was, uh, you know, just kind of happening a lot. It wasn't like yeah. now where it's, yeah. uh, I guess, more taboo. Not that it wasn't a bad thing then to murder people, <laughs> yeah. but murder was happening all the fucking time. People just getting killed for various yeah. things. Turns out yeah, people just rolling up on you and cutting your clothes off you yeah. and <laughs> don't well, yeah. protest too much. Well, you know, you didn't have you know, no fingerprints, you know, no enhancing. Yeah. Enhance! Um, <laughs> no, no iced tea. No iced so tea. They weren't going to solve shit. No, yeah. It's a lot harder to solve murders when there's no, like, 
science behind it. No, you know, DNA or whatever. Um, in any case, I think, you know, where is, where's A24? I would watch this movie. Get on this A24. I, I need a dark Agnes film. Please. I would love that. I would watch the hell out of that. Especially if they, if they just put the first two stories together and made a movie out of it. I think it'd be cool. I mean, we didn't read the second story, but I imagine it can't go that much downhill. Although maybe I shouldn't <laughs> be making that assumption. We'll um, see about that. I honestly, Prophecy. I'm, you know, I know Red Sonia probably was like what Agnes eventually became. You know, they both have red hair. They're both like fierce female warriors. Like, can we just get like them together? There's got to be plenty of weird fan fiction out there of these two like shacking up and rolling heads. You know, <laughs> the two redheaded like okay, warrior let's ladies. Just type in oh. Dark Agnes. <laughs> Red Sonia fan fiction. Oh, you're just adding those words together. That's a that's a recipe. Uh, it's just a lot of it's like Tor.com, Pulp Fantasy Library. Wow, grognardia.blogspot.com. <laughs> I don't know awesome. what that is. Oh, Grognard right. is someone that's like really weirdly rules lawyery about D and D. Oh, okay. Um, there is no. I I actually can't. There is no fan fiction. Are you kidding me? There's no way. This is an untapped market. All right, folks. Those of you who are listeners and writers, get on it. <laughs> get on it. I just gave you an idea. It's for free. Um, in any case, uh, I know Austin, our patron who requested this, asked about the third story. So there's a little bit of weirdness going on here because Howard, you know, died at 30. He uh he took himself out the game uh at 30. <laughs> so, you know, he had a lot Ugh. of stuff that was like partially written, half written, you know, just notes and things and he had already prepared to give to give the right, you know, he knew who who was getting his rights after he died. But then it just kind of got passed down and around, like I said, just kind of freewheeling, you know, after after that first mm-hmm. person you give the rights to also dies or decides to sell it, you have lost all control. Um, so a lot has happened with his work over time. It's been sold in, you know, to various entities. And Mistress of Death is the third Dark Agnes story. So it's Sword Woman, what is it, the Blades of France? Mm-hmm. And then Mistress of Death. However, Mistress of Death was only like two pages or like a few paragraphs and then there was like at the end sort of a little summary of a possible ending and then like another one that was two lines and i guess at some point some other author finished it however in our collection of stories we didn't have the version that was finished by another author um we just had the half the sort of like couple of pages and then the summary of the ending and uh all it is is like agnes's you know, still in France somewhere. She is paired up with some guy named John Stewart, who in my mind was, of course, just the comedian, which made this yeah. much funnier. <laughs> like, uh, and it, it's like she accidentally gets mixed up in uh, some people coming to like revive a sorcerer who had been hanged earlier that day. And they are beset upon by these rogues who are looking for the sorcerer's body who they just like co- happen to be near. And uh, they get rounded up. And then they escape, and it was supposed to end with them getting somehow involved with these, like, sorcerer dark arts people, and there was a supernatural element to it, which was not present in the previous two stories. Um, but I I honestly don't know. I don't, you know, Austin asked if it was worth buying, and I don't really think it's worth 
buying just to read it i mean i guess maybe the finished one by that by some other author who who finished it might be okay but i don't know that was basically the summary and if like you want to read the snippet i will just i will just send it to you (laughs) like it's not very long benefits it's like two pages and if if you just want to read it it's i don't know it's fine i mean i think it's unfortunate that Howard never took this and turned it into a full novel. You know, we don't have any novels. We just have the two and a half short stories here. I think uh, from what I briefly read, I think it was because people weren't interested in women (laughs) being the star of stories, which is fucking unfortunate. But here we are. Um, You know, at least we've got uh, we've got, you know, Andre Norton, who we read uh, Zara Stores Bane from, you know, we still got Prixia and her cool ass cat sidekicks. They're in some books, but um yeah it's too bad uh it's really too bad i i think this could have been a really cool thing if he continued it and fleshed it out into full novels but alas you know took him took himself out the game pretty early in life so (laughs) Mm -hmm. wasn't able to expand upon that um yeah so i don't know is there anything we would fix about this chris I think really just make Agnes be like, I can sword, yes, but I am also a woman. You don't have to treat like to pretend like I'm just a man as well. Just treat me like an equal. And I think that would have been a little bit better, but considering the time period it's from, I'll, I guess I'll, you know, take what I can get. Yeah, it kind of would have been cool if she was like, I am neither fucking deal with it and like blew up people's brains in 1920s. Yeah, Texas. oh <laughs> shit, in the 16th century France. That would have been like a spell she cast on <laughs> Witch! Sorceress! Yeah, um, I don't know. I kind of said what I said already, but this was surprised. This was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. I don't think there's much I would change about it. Like I said, I think it could have benefited from it being a longer, you know, part of sort of a longer series if there were actually novels, because I feel like that would have given him a chance to see the character evolve from don't call me a woman, I'm a man. I just found freedom in sword fighting and I don't. I want to distance myself from every bit of femininity and like having her move through that and being like, Oh, actually I can be a woman and also be a badass sword, sword fighter. I don't have to choose or I am both or neither or whatever. I th- I feel like that would have been cool. I mean, it makes okay. sense given, like you said, we're seeing her kind of just at the, you know, the unspooling of her freedom here and not mm-hmm. a very developed person. I mean, she's assumedly also pretty young, right? Because if she's getting married off, I mean, she's got to be a teenager. She can't possibly yeah. be very old. So, um, yeah, it's just too bad that this was just two short stories and like a half finished third one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'd recommend it. You know, if you're into sword and sorcery stuff, I think I think this is worth reading, especially because it's so short. You know, you're not really giving up a lot right. by reading 30, 30, 60 pages or whatever. Um, so yeah, this was a this was actually a good recommendation that we mostly enjoyed. I was just like I was listening to like Thulcandra and just read this and it was a good time. And then I was imagining it as a film and I was like, A twenty four, get on it. <laughs> make someone make I, this movie. It makes me it makes me want to read further Robert E. Howard, especially since I read a whole other ass story in this thing. Um <laughs> yes. so I thought I'd close this out with a selection from The Spears of Clontarf. Just a really just great name, I gotta really say. I really wish it wasn't called Clontarf, because that's how I hear <laughs> it. It really in my just head. sounds Clontarf. like he was like, uh, uh, I guess they're on the plains of uh, Clontarf. Yeah, Clontarf. I guess you run out of Anyway, uh, this uh, passage has perhaps one of my favorite like metaphors I've ever read <laughs> in, in some fantasy. They're in the middle of a big old fight. It's a bunch of Gales and Vikings. G A E L, that is, because they're Irish. Um, anyway, here we go. But at the foremost point of the Gaelic advance, the line held. 
There, like the convex center of a curving axe blade, fought Murrah and his chiefs. The great prince was already streaming blood from gashes on his limbs, but his heavy swords flamed in double strokes that dealt death like a harvest, and the chiefs at his side mowed down the corn of battle. Fiercely, Murrah sought to reach Sigurd through the press, but the chance of battle had thus far held them apart. Murrah saw the tail... Murrah saw the tall Jarl looming across the waves of spears and heads, striking blows like thunderstrokes, and the sight drove the Gaelic prince to madness, but he could not reach the Viking lord to strive as he would. The corn of battle is a really, really good one, man. Really something. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, well, yeah. I don't know. Check out some Robert E. Howard. Avoid Avoid the Egypt ones. Please avoid the Egypt <laughs> Yeah, I guess, you know, that's obviously, you know, a different element to this author. Uh, I'm sure that we've got some, I'm sure, I'm sure we've got a the helping, good helping of racism in some of these works uh, based, Ooh, yeah. on, based on what you accidentally read. Oh, yeah. You know, but we're just, we're just talking about Sword Woman and Dark Agnes yeah. today. Uh, I guess before we sign off, I should mention that uh, I came to know about Sword Woman through uh, my friend Sarah's band Smolder. She themes kind of herself and her band sort of around this story uh which is has she driven a dagger through someone's skull far enough to scrape the helmet that they are wearing i don't know i mean if she has i don't know about it uh which is probably for the best um (laughs) but in any case uh yeah i guess if you want to hear the sword woman in song you could listen to smolder's the sword woman it's (laughs) it literally pulls text directly from this story um, so, you know, if that's your thing, if you're like, I want to hear a heavy metal version of this story, there you go. Um, but that, I don't know, that's how I found out about it. And I, like I said, I kind of have a love hate with this stuff. So I was pretty wary of ever reading it because I was like, man, I don't want to read it. And then I have to like explain to people that I don't like it. And then if people hate me, so <laughs> I'm glad that I didn't hate it. That was good. Um, but yeah, in any case. All right. Well, thank you to Sarah for writing cool, heavy metal about cool sword women. And yeah. thank you to our patrons, the corn of patronage, the the corn of terrible <laughs> well, we're books. Not, we're not cutting them down. They're not the corn. They're uh... well, we're cutting down the the corn. The, no, no, the, no. We're, we're... They are the swords of of the of the corn battles. They're the swords of the corns, like the sword they're of the, the morning. Spears of, the the of spears of Clontarf is is what they are. Yeah, they're the you know they they pledged their swords to us. Uh, thank okay. you, thank you, patrons. Well, thank you, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Arant, Senior, Yakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Luchek, Miri, Yanka, David, Anya, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Crimson, Paladin, Beast with the Least, Scott H, Robin, Blackstodes of the Void, the Taco Eating Unicorn, Last Man on Earth. 01, Funny Robot with Antennas, Hobbyboy93, Harry, Renee, Emmy, Joy Use, The Ugly One, Bleach Black Cat, Julius the Nice Dragon, and our Kofi donor, Kiwi Thing. Thank you so much. Oh, I was going to say, let's uh, let's give an extra shout out to Austin for recommending this. This thing that was not yeah. horrible. Um, yes, thank so, you, Austin. Thanks, Austin. It was nice to read something short and not terrible. Uh, May and your we... sword shine in in the sunset of the corn fields of battle. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just honestly, I'm just really glad you didn't ask us to read to read more porn. Thank you, thank you for yeah, this. Thank this you. was nice. Appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. Uh, all right, Chris. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go get my sword and 
like go plunge yeah. it into you, you are know, the you, heart you of a pomegranate. Could do, <laughs> you could do a sword woman cosplay, Paris. It's true. I could. I do have. I do have a sword and red hair, although it's not as red as you know depicted in the book. But that's okay. Also, you you do woman. You you are woman as well. That's true. So. I was I was assigned woman at birth. <laughs> that's true. I have. I have. Were the... you assigned sword at birth? Was that your proficiency <laughs> that you took on the character sheet? Yes, I, uh, I, I became sword later in life. But um... I fucking took a bard. Like, what the hell? That's like the useless support class. No, I've played a bard. Bards fun. They yeah. are very fun to play. I enjoy playing bards. <sighs> anyway, grab your swords. Grab your swords and go forth in the world. And uh, yeah, stab your problems with swords. No, don't do that. You can cut this. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> to battle. <laughs> To battle, Paris. I shall see you in the future. Where I'll be wearing a loincloth, I guess, in the past. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pledge your swords to Terriblo, folks. Pledge your swords to okay. Terriblo. All right. Bye, Paris. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris, with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com.